0: All right, welcome into Eleven Dubcast. The Eleven Dubcast. I'm John Agenter. I'm joined by my good friend Andy Vance, who is filling in this week for Bo Bishop, who has got some family duties to take care of. His, his wife's having a birthday, and got all kinds of good stuff for them. So, you know, good vibes to the uh, Bishop family. But Andy, I'm very happy that you're here. I'm, I'm it's, you know, it's always a joy to have Andy Vance on the Dubcast.
1: Yeah, it does my heart good to hear that, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be back at the, the, the best. Best podcast in the land, my friend. Let's <laughs>
0: let's get with it. Yes, it is the best damn podcast in the land. Uh can I I want to start off? We're not we'll talk about Tulane for about five seconds, but we just had a conversation on Slack and I gotta tell you something, man. Like what is so we talked about shirts, right? We were we were yeah. saying what fits us and I do you have a a get like a season shirt, like Ohio State football season shirt or or a hoodie or something that you wear constantly. Cause that's like the one thing that fits and that you actually like. Cause that's me. I have like four pairs of shirts and that's it because yeah, that's, that's the only thing I can deal with.
1: Yeah. That, that, that is a thing. And I was really sad over the weekend because I pulled out, uh, you know, cause kind of button up shirt I was going to wear. We were going out for, for lunch or something. Hmm. And I looked and there are no longer elbows uh, in <laughs> this button up shirt that I like. And I realized I've had this shirt for about 16 years and it's been a great shirt and it fits well and it's all worn in. But when there cease to be elbows, you know, there's just sort of a vague fabric like area in between your upper and lower arms. That's probably time to retire that. Might be time to call it quits. I have, well, yeah, well, and I have an Ohio
0: state uh, shirt that I wear all the time and I have worn since college and it's, it's so clearly on its last legs. Like I really, you know, it's, just, it's it's sad at this point. It's one of those things where, you know, it'd be kind of cool or like, you know, not cute, but I guess uh, interesting if you're a 20 year old and you're like, yeah, this is my Ohio State shirt. But when you're a 33 year old man and you're like, it just seems like you can't afford another shirt. Um yeah. So I would recommend if you guys can afford another shirt to check out our dry goods store because we have all kinds of shirts, hats, and and things that'll take you out. That's drygoods.11warriors.com. Uh, we got a lot of good stuff, especially you know coming towards the the fall season, which it is now fall. Thank God. Uh, a win over a Tulane team that you know was exactly I think what pretty much people expected isn't exactly indicative of fall. That seems a lot more like an early September matchup. But, you know, I think you kind of got what you came for. This is, to me, this was not a game that surprised anybody with anything. I I think maybe some people would have hoped that the team played a little bit better in the second half, where everybody just kind of fell asleep. But, you know, as far as the first two quarters of play went, I I don't think you could ask for anything else but that. I think that's pretty much the epitome of what this football team should look like at this point in the season. I don't know how you feel
1: about it, but I was pretty happy with it. The second half was one of the more painful exhibitions of football I've watched in a long time. Is this well? If you watched where, it, you know, <laughs> that's one, the one of those thing. things where you say, "Okay, this game lasted four and a half hours or whatever it was," yeah. and uh, you know it was really over. <laughs> you know, about two drives in, for uh-huh. all, all practical purposes, and certainly uh, two hours into the broadcast, it, there was no longer a compelling reason to. To watch the ball game. I don't mind seeing you know literally everyone on the team getting their snaps, particularly with the the red shirt rules we have now. Sure, play them all and and let them get their time and and all that sort of thing. But man, that second half wasn't a whole heck of a lot to get excited about. Uh, but the first half was pretty magical. Dwayne Haskins is as good as advertised, maybe even better. Um, You know, they certainly stuffed the stat sheets and, and uh, the, the big arm is now what number two in the, the, the Heisman race, uh, at least if the odds makers are any indication. So pretty good. Yeah. Well, I would get outing for the starters in the first half.
0: Yeah. And, and, and it was, I mean, you know, like you were talking about Dwayne Haskins, uh, the guy, I don't, we we've talked about him a lot on this podcast and how we think he's NFL ready. And he's got all the skills that you might need. And that was obviously apparent, you know, on Saturday, I just, one of the things about doing Haskins that I think is really interesting to me is that he doesn't, nothing seems forced, you know, and this is a guy with a really high completion percentage. So to me, it's, it's one thing if you got a guy who is out there and he's making the passes that he's making by kind of attempting dangerous throws and just kind of like testing the limits of his own capabilities. But honestly, it it really kind of feels like we haven't seen the limits of his capabilities. We haven't seen him really try to win a game by just throwing 15 Hail Marys or something like that, which I I almost feel like he could at this point. So it, it just seems so easy for the dude. And I think that's what everybody's so shocked about because, again, you expected him to be maybe a little bit exposed against the likes of TCU, but he's still through for 300 billion yards. And at this point, he's already got, I think, what, three 300-yard games and four games total. So I don't know what the limit is here, and I don't know what the speed bump is going to be either, because if it's not Penn State this coming weekend, who's it going to be? You know what I mean? Like I guess eventually Michigan maybe, but after that, they don't really have a defense that I think should even approach something that scares Dwayne Haskins. The dude is just legit. Like he is so good in every phase of the game.
1: What's what's interesting and I guess we sort of had a glimpse at how he will perform, you know, under adversity when he came into Ann Arbor uh last year, but right. but this season certainly it's been, you know, it's been just hey, show us what you got without I mean, he's had a clean pocket pretty much everywhere he's been. Um, You know, not a whole lot of, of call for him to have to put the team on his back. So one of the things, and it's unfair to compare J.T Barrett to Dwayne Haskins, because they're they're totally different players, even though they play the same position on the same team. But the one thing you knew about JT Barrett, and and people love to criticize his arm strength or his accuracy or this or that or the other thing, he rewrote the record books at Ohio State in the Big Ten because you could count on him to get the job done when it mattered. And you knew um, if worst came to worst. Urban Meyer counted on him, obviously. Um, and and he more often than not got the job done. We haven't necessarily had to see Dwayne Haskins in those kind of high pressure situations right yet where there was the season on the line, the game on the line, et cetera. You know, so last year the Penn State game was Right, the height of what J.T. Barrett's magic was all about when he led the comeback and, and sealed the deal. This Penn State game, I think, has the, the potential to be that type of game for Dwayne Haskins where you go into a hostile environment and you have to will your team um, because it's going to face some adversity. It's going to be a whiteout. It's going to be a sellout crowd. You've got Joey Bozo on the sidelines, and we'll get to him in a little bit, but there's a chance here where you know QB number one has to do the deal and show us what he's really made of.
0: Yeah, and that's, you know, and that's always the true test because you can put up really gaudy numbers and everybody will be really excited about it. But there's a reason why they call it the September Heisman. And you got, you got to prove it throughout the season, which again, like I've seen no indication that he won't, but it's it really is fascinating to see a guy who is this good this quickly. And okay, so this is the last thing I want to talk about Tulane because that's Dwayne Haskins aside. I mean, you've got a, a great performance from him every week. Uh, the offense is putting up huge numbers. Does it concern you, Andy Vance, that you've got a running game that almost seems like it's maybe regressing a little bit as the season goes on? Because you've got, I mean, the leading rusher against Tulane had 55 yards. DeMario, <laughs> Super DeMario McCall, was the second leading rusher on the team with 26 yards. Does that concern you at all?
1: That That in and of itself... <clears throat> is you know quite a statement when you said we had the the two-headed monster coming into the season of, of Dobbins and and uh, Mike Weber and, yeah. and you're telling me that Run DMC was the 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 number two man uh, yeah. last week I'm I'm looking at uh, the statogram at my favorite website 11warriors.com and uh, <laughs> I highly recommend going back to that this you know, this just blows my mind a 570 yard uh outing for the offense and only 151 of those yards were rushing good gravy it's you know, crazy is, you know urban wire said 250 250 right that's the team i don't necessarily buy that that it needs to be 50 50 but it probably shouldn't be two to one uh, right? passing to rushing right so 419 yards through the air and 151 yards rushing now granted we were not necessarily trying to grind out the clock or you know hold off in the fourth quarter doing those kind of things you just you know throw the ball and let the receivers have a day fine but i i definitely agree with you that there's room for growth and you know they're capable of it so that's the question is okay are we just trying to get this pitch and catch game um, on the board, is it, is it a scheme issue where, you know, we had a great article from Kyle Jones today talking about, uh, how it was simplified things going right. into Penn state here. So maybe there's, you know, just all these things that we haven't seen yet. Maybe it was wanting the offensive line to get comfortable in their roles. Cause you have guys in new, new spots on the line. I, I don't know what you call it, but yeah, that was pretty shocking to only see a hundred and a half through the ground and, uh, just 55 yards for JK Dobbins.
0: Well, so my opinion on this is that I don't. I'm not one of those guys who believes that you have to have an uber balanced offense. If you've got an offense, you're playing a team, especially like a good defensive team, and you can get 500 yards and 400 of them are through the air, and you win the game. Who cares? I don't. I mean, it doesn't matter to me whether or not uh, you know you you score 50 points all passing touchdowns, or you score 50 points and they're half you know passing, half rushing. But on the other hand, if you're playing a team like Penn State. I think being that one dimensional means that you're not going to be very good overall. So I think it just depends on the quality of the opponent. And while I don't think that they have to split it 50, 50, if they get less than 150 yards rushing against Penn state, it's going to be real hard to win the game because that really puts the onus on Dwayne Haskins and the receiving core. And, And while we know that they can put up numbers, I think, and we'll get to this a little bit later, I think this is going to be a high scoring game. And I think that means that this team is going to have to be able to score in a lot of different ways. And if you're just passing the ball, eventually, towards the end of the game, that's going to bite you in the butt. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, Another thing that Ohio State fans might be a little bit concerned about, and they should, because he's the best defensive player on the team, is Nick Bosa potentially being out uh, through November now. We've had reports, and we've talked about it on the site. Uh, His surgery is, you know, going to uh, put him out on the sidelines a little bit longer than people think He's dealing with, obviously the abdominal problems. And he's going to have to have that fixed. I look my personal inclination when I first heard this was that it sounds more serious than maybe people are giving it credit for. And honestly, man, I I mean, I don't this is just me spitballing. I don't have any, you know, inside information or anything like that. But I think this is an injury that could take him out through the end of the season. If they, you know, reevaluate him in you know early or mid November and go, it's you know we don't want to push it. This guy's going to be a top five pick. Uh, he may be done. He may be done as an Ohio State football player. I don't know how do you how do you feel about it? Do you think he's going to be chomping at the bit to get back in, or are he? would he play it safe for the NFL draft? Do you think?
1: Yeah. How, how do I feel about it? The answer to that question is I feel cheated because this is, <laughs> yeah. you know, this was, this is your one season to see smaller bear in all his glory before he rides off into, into NFL glory. And, and we have been, you know, hearing how he is better than, than uh, his bigger bear brother. And, you know, in all reality could well be the best player in college football this year. And I just wanted to watch that for, 12, 13, 14, 15 games this season uh, because it's really magical to watch. Just, you know, if you could just watch a highlight film of of Nick Boza and, and what he's capable of, I mean, it's a clinic for what a pass rusher should look like in the modern college football and, and honestly in the modern NFL so so I feel cheated now. Do I think he's going to be chomping at the bit? You know, the one thing I'll say is my impression is that the Boses are really good at this business. If you think back to yeah. um, how Joey handled the situation with the Chargers um, getting drafted and, and holding out to get the contract language the way he wanted it and so on, they're, they're smart about the business of football. So, you know, there will be a business decision. I'm not saying that that I'm jumping to the conclusion that he won't play anymore at Ohio State, but I think at least if there are enough questions, um, about whether or not he's physically ready to come back or whether there's meaningful games yet for him to play at Ohio state. I mean, Ohio state's contending for, uh, of the playoffs for a title, et cetera. You know, I I think he would want to be a part of those things. I don't think he wants to be the guy that, you know, goes off to the NFL, having not been a part of a national championship, team for example uh, or, or or winning a new year's six bowl if that's the the consolation prize but yeah, you know, i think you, i mean you come into early november and you're not ready sure. to go then you know you've got to be smart because you don't want to short circuit a a lengthy nfl career because you jumped back into the fire too soon Right, that's an excellent point. I mean, depending where Ohio State is at
0: that point in time, and and whether he can come back, if they are making a national championship run, I can't imagine Nick Bosa wanting to sit on the sidelines for that. But by same token, if they, you know, if they lose to, you know, like a random game in the middle of October or something like that, and they lose to a team that they shouldn't lose to, then yeah, it's entirely possible that the guy makes a business decision, and I wouldn't begrudge him either way. I, you know, this is a business whether people want to admit college football is a business or not. I mean, Nick Bosa has marketable skills that will lead to him making tens of millions of dollars. And when you have that kind of decision to make, I think you've got to protect both your body and your money. And again, I'm not, I would not begrudge the guy for saying, man, you know, this is, this is something where I got to protect myself because this could pop up again and I could cost myself a, you know, a livelihood. So I don't want that. I don't want to see that happen for a guy who was clearly really, really, really really good and you know we shouldn't be denied him having a great NFL career either if he came back too soon and ended up hurting himself further and I wouldn't want to see that uh the last thing that I want to talk about real quick before we get into uh some ask us anything and, and some Penn State predictions there were some reports Ari Wasserman over that at the athletic uh, talked about uh the potentiality of Ryan Day being discussed as the head coach in waiting. That was kind of walked back a little bit. That was disputed by uh, some people at Ohio State, including Gene Smith. And I don't, I mean, I still feel like, you know, I would say that the powers that be were very happy with Ryan Day's performance as an interim coach while Urban Meyer was suspended. I think, I don't think anybody would have any complaints with the way he handled the team or himself or the media. I think he did an excellent job. For the time that he was there, I also think declaring him as a coach and waiting, especially if Urban Meyer doesn't have any plans on leaving is really, really premature, especially considering the dude is going to be entertaining a lot of offers in the offseason. So I almost like I'm not just skeptical of that because of maybe it's jumping the gun gun a little bit. I'm also skeptical of it because I feel like Ryan Day wouldn't agree to something like that without exploring his billion other options that he's going to get at the end of the 2018 football season as well. So I guess my question to you, Andy, first of all, I have two, I guess this is a two part question. First of all, would you be okay with Ryan Day as a head coach in waiting, which is a situation we've seen play out in college football before. And two, how likely do you think that scenario actually is?
1: I have starting with the first part. I I think, that in general, I'm not a big fan of the coaching waiting thing because it seems like it's a miss far more than it's a hit. I think, right? You know, w- the 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 one that's popped up more often than not has been Jimbo Fisher uh, as being the one where it seemed to hit, and he had a good run at Florida State before things weren't so great, and he got out of Dodge but that was the the one. Far too often you get that coach and waiting appellation and then somebody rolls up the Brinks truck and says, hey, you know, <laughs> we got this head coaching position <laughs> over here at another power right. five school. Wouldn't you rather have that X number of million dollar paycheck now instead of the old, you know, wimpy, I'd gladly uh, loan you a dollar today for a hamburger on Tuesday <laughs> or whatever the I mean, that's what these things always feel like is, hey, we really like you. So let's give you this, you know, coach and waiting job title. So you're not Courting other suitors. The reality is, you're going to court other suitors yeah. if the market wants to put that money to you. Now, as far as Ryan Day in particular, you know, hey, I think he handled his business exactly the way I'd want him to handle his business. If he were head coach at Ohio State, he certainly had a, th- a great three game job interview. I didn't see anything in his comportment or demeanor, his press conferences, how he handled the team that made me say, "Oh, geez, I wouldn't want this guy steering the ship." No, I say, hey, if. Urban Meyer got hit by a bus tomorrow. Ryan Day step right up. Um, <laughs> but it, it it to me, this situation we dealt with this offseason has me more in the corner of thinking Urban Meyer's got five more years to sort of wash the stink off this Zach Smith debacle, put another title in the books, some more Big Ten championships, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, before he decides to hang up his whistle. That, that now you know I don't have any more insider information than you do. That's just my my read on the, the the pr of the situation so that tells me if you know if urban Myers head coach another five years ryan day isn't going to be coaching waiting for right. the next five years
0: no no i mean the dude i mean people were even sniffing around that concept when you had uh tom herman here and they were like well that would be amazing it was like well texas just opened up or you know florida opened up or something like that you know if people get the opportunities they're going to Talk about them; they're going to want to think about them. I it's, I think when we talk about the head coaching waiting thing, a lot of times it's these coordinators who have been around for twenty years or fifteen years or something like that who have established themselves and said, you know, I I feel like there's been an agreement, a mutual agreement there on the books or off the books rather for a long time before it was made official. Whereas with Ryan Day, I mean, this isn't a guy who's been at Ohio State for ten or twelve years. This is a guy who. You know, clearly, is a rising star in the college football world, and he's gonna see what he can get, and he should. Um, I just think it's an interesting concept. I I am a little more, I guess, bearish on Urban Myers staying at Ohio State for the next five years than you are. I, I think the dude uh, maybe has fewer years than that. I, I I don't see him staying much longer than three or four years. But honestly, we had this conversation on the Dubcast. When he was first hired, and and I remember we were talking about it, and I was like, "You know, this is a guy who could either stay here for two years at Ohio State, you know, and just say, "You know what? I'm done, or he could stay for another fifteen. It just depends on where his you know mentality is and how he's feeling about the job, if he still enjoys it, if he still thinks he's effective And right now, Ohio State still looks really damn effective, so I, I think as long as urban Meyer feels that he's doing. The kind of job that he feels he can do, and he's giving Ohio State the team that he feels it deserves, then he'll stay here and he'll continue on. And I don't think any coaches in waiting would make a good choice by doing that, especially if they can get the kind of money that Ryan Day could. So that's the the reality
1: is on on the Urban Meyer situation in terms of how long he coaches. I think the question isn't how long he coaches at Ohio State; it's how long does he want to coach football? Period. Because he's not going to leave Ohio State and go somewhere else, right? right? So it's it's do I want to keep doing this? If so, then you know he rides that horse as long as he wants, or he takes the Jimmy Johnson route and says, "I'd rather go, you know, fishing off my huge boat in the Gulf of Mexico every day and <laughs> right. uh, work work on Sundays, you know, calling a game somewhere." Like that's that that to me is the the question is when does he decide? Because it's not going to be coaching on Sundays. It's not going to be coaching at another program somewhere. It's going to be either Ohio State or doing fun other things. Yeah, that's an excellent point.
0: Uh, Coming up in a few minutes, we've got Ask Us Anything, which you guys sent in a ton of great questions. We'll talk about Penn State for a little bit and give our personal three things for the game. Before we do that, though, we want to talk about uh, our sponsor here. We've got uh, MyBookie, MyBookie.com. So I am not a big betting guy, uh, personally. I don't really know the the ins and outs of it. I know Bo gets a lot of questions about, um, you know, who's going to win and what the lines are going to be. And the truth of the matter is, is that, Um, he is not an expert on those things, nor am I, but if you think that you have some kind of information, you got to check out my bookie. Um, it doesn't really matter who you're betting on as much as sometimes as important as who you're betting with. Uh, that's why Bo and I, we, we recommend that people bet with my bookie. Uh, they are your best bet this season. They've been in the business for years, have great reviews online. And their mobile site is really easy to use. I would also recommend that you guys uh, join MyBookie now. And you can use the promo code 11. That's uh, E-L-E-V-E-N. MyBookie, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code 11 when you're creating your account uh, to get the bonus. So you play, you win, you get paid. That's MyBookie.com uh so here we we gotta ask us anything and you guys can this is my favorite part of the show i don't know andy is this is this your favorite part of the
1: show i I live for reader questions (laughs) yes
0: i live and die on ask us anything um let me uh let's let's first of all you guys can go ahead and ask us anything by sending us an email to dubcast at 11 warriors.com or at 11 dubcast on twitter let me get into the uh the emails here first this one's from our good friend alvin he's going to state college um and he has he just wants to know if there's any suggestions on food bars or how to interact with penn state folks. do you have any personal uh recommendations have you been to happy valley
1: have you taken I, any- I have not been to happy valley and that that feels wrong in some way but i have to be um, honest it's because i have a globe and realize that there is nothing remotely close to Happy Valley, it's out <laughs> in the middle of nowhere, and there is no good reason outside of watching a football game for me to go there. Now, I will, I will change that caveat. I was this close last season to going and watching uh, the Ohio State Penn State dual wrestling meet, which I think was one of the most electric um, dual wrestling meets of the year and and the the two best teams in the country. But, but no, I haven't been there. I do hear fantastic things about the Penn state uh, creamery and that you should go there and eat ice cream.
0: Yeah, that is, that would be my number one recommendation. It's legit. And I love the fact that you have an institution like that, in the uh university like at the university that's that's such a big part of their community and people make a you know an effort to go and check out i think that's really neat so i would definitely uh make that a trip make that part of your trip as far as interacting with penn state fans um (laughs) i you know this is gonna be a game they're super hyped for because this is a revenge game it's obviously a night game it's a whiteout this is pretty much everything that penn state fans live for and frankly, you know, it's it's against their biggest rival right now. I mean, they talk a big game about Pitt. They don't care about Pitt. Like, don't let them try to convince you that Pitt even enters into their mindset, especially when it comes to, I don't know, actually trying to accomplish something in college football. Uh, this is their rivalry. It's a big game. I would try to maybe stay a little chill, and then assuming Ohio State comes out and wins, go ahead and be a huge douchebag for the remainder of the night. That would be my... <laughs> That's my personal recommendation, because honestly, I still remember I remember the video of Penn State fans throwing like beer cans, you know, at the at the fraternity, you know, the guys who were just coming in and say hi. I still remember all the urine that my friends who were in the band got hit with at Happy Valley. Screw that crap. Be a huge piece of crap uh, after the game, but just stay low key until you feel that you're confident enough to do that. So that's my personal recommendation for
1: that. Yeah, I'd say, uh, you know, be, be, be humble and, and tell you when, uh, to, to, to sum that up and then go crazy. But the, I, I, I'll be, I'll hedge a little bit here because, um, in, in my, my day job, you know, work in agriculture and I have a lot of friends who are products of the ag college at Penn state or, or who live in the Keystone state and have some connection to Penn state university extension. So I'll, 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 uh, temper my comments by saying i know a lot of wonderful people who are associated with the university through that but um uh would those folks take no small amount of joy in gigging me if uh penn state comes out on top as they did in in 2016 but you you hit the nail on the head though i mean you're talking about it being a a rivalry ohio state owns the all-time record in the series and and since urban meyers come to town you know it's been even well i mean really Um, since Penn state joined the conference, you know, it's been a pretty lopsided rivalry, but the games that Penn state has won have really mattered. You know, they've changed the trajectory of those seasons, uh, and, and not for nothing. I mean, if you look at these games over the last, um, two years, three years now counting this year, both teams have numbers in front of their names on the graphic, you know, coming into the game, it's been high stakes, high ranked, highly ranked teams, you know, a lot on the line.
0: Yeah, I you know, and that's that's the thing because that's what you live for in college football, and this is probably it. it Feels like I mean, TCU game was fun, but I really hate neutral site games. I hate them. Yes, and this feels like the first real college football big game of the year. So I'm I'm really excited about it.
1: Well, these games Um, are what college football is all about. You know that. Yeah. these iconic programs, iconic stadiums. I, I'm with you do away with this neutral site nonsense. Uh, and, and let's be on college campuses, the tradition, the pomp, the circumstance, the bands, the fans, the, the quirky things that we do in college football that are, that are unique to college football, right? Like that. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Stop this neutral site nonsense. We don't need the 100% that agreed.
0: Um, all right, so our next question here, this is from Jeff Book. Uh, he would like to know, so he's saying he was thinking about Dwayne Haskins potentially NFL, and it occurs to him that he plays a little like Troy Smith did. So he wants to know from us, why do you think Troy Smith didn't pan out in the NFL? Mm-hmm. He was such a terrific passer at OSU. Are there, are Buckeye Ohio State quarterbacks uh, just cursed?
1: Uh, the, You know, <laughs> that, that last part uh, about our Ohio State quarterbacks just cursed, I mean, that's a... You know, you'd like, that's one of those things that bothers me is that you you have all these other position groups that have done really, really well in the yeah. NFL for, for Ohio State Buckeyes. You know, are we DBU? Are we linebacker you? Are we this? You can go through and find leading tacklers, you know, take uh, uh, Lauren Itis and AJ Hawk both retired from their respective franchises, as the leading tacklers in franchise history and so on we don't have that. And the, there's not a standard bearer really in, the in, in the quarterback room in the league. And that, you know, that's a, that's a sad thing so we've had some great quarterback play at Ohio state over the years. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say that the reason Troy didn't pan out in the NFL is, uh, you know, it's Joe Flacco had a, had a MRSA laced voodoo doll or something. So <laughs> I mean there's you know this yeah. troy gets sick and and at the worst was, possible time at the yeah. worst possible time and and that's all she wrote i I don't think anybody was as surprised as you know as I was that uh that, that Troy didn't pan out because he seemed to have all the tools to to be the next great one, and you know it just didn't happen.
0: I think here's what I would say about Troy Smith. So you're right. The, the timing was terrible. He gets sick. Joe Flacco steps in and, and wins the job and keeps the job and still has the job. But I also think that it is probably fair to say that as much as we love Troy Smith, he won a Heisman. His numbers, you know, he's, he's up there, you know, on the on the eaves of Ohio Stadium. Might have been a little overrated as a passer. And I know that's a really crappy thing to say. I know that's something that I might get yelled at for. But if you look at his stats, they're good. They're very good. Uh, they're not insane. They're not great. And um, again, if you look at these guys mechanically, if you compare Troy Smith to Dwayne Haskins. If you look at them mechanically, if you look at the types of throws that they can make, Dwayne Haskins is a better NFL quarterback uh prospect than I think Troy Smith ever was. And I loved watching Troy Smith. I watched him all throughout college. I was at the 06 mission game when it felt like he could convert a 30 and, or a third for 30, and you had no problem with that. Like there was a point in the game where I think that was a it was a third and eighteen and they converted it. And I I fully expected them to do that because Troy Smith was the quarterback. But that's not necessarily what makes an NFL quarterback. And I think part of that was that he was not given the same type of opportunities that a guy like Dwayne Haskins will be given, in part because of his size. He, doesn't, he did not have in, uh, you know, prototypical NFL quarterback size. And also in part because he played in a system that was not super conducive to the NFL. And they probably looked at an offense like Ohio States and said, this guy just has to make really simple reads. He's throwing to guys who, you know, will just basically stretch out their arms and catch it. And he doesn't have like a really hard time um, you know, with that offense. He doesn't really have to to deal with what he might see in the NFL. And because of that, I don't think he was given quite the same opportunities. I think given the opportunities, he would have he would have proven himself. But just I think, in terms of sheer talent, Dwayne Haskins is at least a little bit ahead of where Troy Smith was, and I know that's a crazy thing to say about a guy who ended up winning the the Heisman, but mechanically physically, I just think he's ahead of it, and I, I think that's why you'll see a guy like him get more opportunities than a guy like troy Smith
1: got well, and here's the um, thing you know I think the other thing that this question brings out is the reality that the Heisman trophy is not a good proxy for no, it's success not. over the last 20 years it really right? isn't so you, you go back through the last 20 years of quarterbacks who won the heisman and they all follow a pretty similar prototype and and troy smith really epitomized that guys who had who had the ability to do it you know through through uh on through the air and on the ground and and maybe weren't the best passers in the known universe uh, and you look at the guys who followed him whether it's tim tebow or rg3 or or you know johnny football or Jameis winston or whatnot they all sort of followed you know, a similar prototype there. Now, some of them have made it right. Cam Newton's had a wonderful career in the the NFL. Marcus Mariota is still make, you know, making it happen. Potentially you've got Carson Palmer's had a great career. baker mayfield you know everybody's all excited about and his his uh big debut you know the book's still out on him but then you've got guys like lamar jackson who i don't think is ever really going to make it and the <laughs> johnny football washed out pretty quickly rg3 etc so yeah. I, you know that's the thing the the quarterbacks who put up these gaudy numbers in college and excite heisman trophy voters aren't really nfl prototype quarterbacks yeah, and that's
0: and that's really I think something that people need to understand is that again, we we love watching these guys play, but it is sometimes a function of the system that they're in and that system may allow them to play to their their full potential, but that doesn't mean the is that interested, right? Like you don't have, you know, <laughs> like you don't have Jason White or Eric Crouch out there, you know, looking knocking on the door of the Hall of Fame. That's not really how that works out. Um, so we've got a couple more questions. We're going to save those for next week. It's kind of re- both related to Gene Smith. I want to move on to Penn State. This is a, a great game. I'm really excited. And I, you know, just cannot believe that we're going to get to have a game like this. Finally, I've been waiting since the beginning of the season for a high stakes, you know, no holds barred, just two good teams kind of going at it. I was not convinced that you were going to see that with TCU and we didn't really get it. Uh, We got it for a half, I guess. Uh, But this is the game that I think is going to be maybe the most entertaining of the entire year. So I'm really pumped. Let's do our three things. My first thing to look out for in this game is that I think this is going to be a very high-scoring game. I think if you have to bet the over or the under on this, I would bet the over. I think that Ohio State and Penn State are really going to get into a shootout, especially towards the second half. And, you know, the defenses will try to make adjustments, but you've got a team that's a very good rushing team in Penn State, team that's a very good passing team in Ohio State, and they're going to be able to do both to each other. And it's really, in my opinion, going to be whoever scores last will win.
1: You're absolutely right. If you look at Bill Connolly's S&P Plus rankings through four weeks, Ohio State's number two behind Alabama, and and the predictive ratings would say on a neutral field, Ohio State will score more than 30 points better than the average opponent on a neutral field. Penn State isn't that far behind them, coming in, uh, let's see, two, four, six, coming in six just behind Michigan at 24.9. So, you know, there's, Ohio State has an advantage according to the advanced analytics, but it's not a two touchdown advantage, right? So right. the line on this game is pretty, is pretty good. I think, you know, Vegas uh, is good at what it does. So what, what, what are we looking at? A three and a half point favorites. Um, if you factor in some kind of home field advantage, the S P plus would would say Ohio State will cover that, but it just depends on how big a home field advantage you think um, Penn State gets with the wideout conditions. Uh, to give you a little food for thought on that, Since 2015, the Nittany Lions, uh, against the spread, went better than 63% uh, versus the spread over the past three years. So there's something to that home field advantage. Yeah. Uh, I would say my second thing that I'm
0: really looking uh, to this game is how Ohio State is going to be able to handle that atmosphere. You've got a guy. I mean, Dwayne, again, great quarterback, has done some amazing things for Ohio State. He's got all the tools. This is going to be the most hostile environment he's been in. And how he handles that crowd is going to be extremely telling. I think in that first quarter is going to be extremely telling for the rest of the game. If he goes out there and is totally unfazed, and and frankly, he seems like a pretty cool customer, I don't think he's going to have too much trouble. But how he goes out there the first couple drives, I think is going to be very indicative of the rest of the game.
1: The other component of that is that both you're playing both teams have similar strengths. So, so the offensive capabilities of these two teams are their strengths. So right. uh, unlike years past where maybe you'd say, okay, uh, Penn State's strength is, is this, you know, crushing back defense or something like along their defense is okay, but it's not light years better than Ohio state. So I'll go back to the, you know, advanced analytics. And you look at Ohio state's defensive SMP plus ranked 18 in the FBS Penn state's only 22. So you know, you're looking at a situation where their offenses are top five, Ohio state's number two and Penn state's number five, but their defenses are a little further about back the pack. So that's a, that's a thing in Dwayne's favor is you're not, he's going to feel be facing one of the better defenses he'll face all season, but it's not one of the five best defenses in the country. Right. Um, so, so I think that that's a, that's a plus for him in dealing with the hostile environment, the, the crazy crowds, how the communication works. That'll be the, the big thing is, is they have, they got a, a strong communication system ready to deal with the noise or the offensive linemen, um, right. Cause that'll be the other thing, right. Is how well yeah. are the offensive linemen performing, uh, in that same hostile environment? I think if, if the line's doing their job and, and Haskins comes out as unflappable as he seems to be, I, I'm not sweating this game.
0: Yeah. I, I think and the, the thing that will make me feel more comfortable and this is my third thing is. Uh, limiting big plays from Penn state and then hopefully creating a few early big plays of Ohio state's own uh, in the first or second quarter, because to me, a lot of this game is going to be about momentum. And if you can force Penn state into three and outs and not give up a 60 yard, you know, passing play or a 35 yard rushing play, if you can keep those to a minimum, you're going to have such an easier time controlling both the flow of the game and the crowd. And again, if you can maybe throw one deep to Austin Mack or something like that, just to even just set the tone of the game, I think that's going to make a huge difference towards the end of it. So that, to me, is the third big thing, making sure that you limit the big plays from uh, Penn State and try to cause a few, a few of your own
1: early. Well, and here's the thing that maybe will we'll feed into what you're saying a little bit statistically. Uh, Dwayne Haskins was named co-offensive player of the week in the Big Ten this week for his... Yep. Um, gaudy performance versus Tulane the other member of that co-offensive player of the week uh, award was Penn State running back Miles Sanders who you know rushed for 200 yards three touchdowns on 22 carries and a win Friday against Illinois so you know this concern about chunk plays uh, big big plays and somebody like Sanders ripping off a long run it's a real concern um, because the Ohio State's defense has shown that it's susceptible to giving up those big plays and those great kind of momentum changers, right? So if you, you, you have a breakdown in the defense, maybe it's a young guy who doesn't maintain gap discipline who not where he's supposed to be at the, at the right time, or it's uh, you know, McSorley decides to pick on one of the, one of the, the members of the secondary that isn't maybe quite um, to the level of, of what we've come to enjoy the last couple of seasons, all these guys now in the NFL you know, could be could be a, a long night for some of the members of that defense because that's that's definitely not ohio state's strength um compared to the offense the offense is a clear strength defense you know there's there, there's some work to do there in the, the linebackers and the secondary in general
0: yeah that's that's gonna be a big one hey i want to tell you something miles sanders man he's he's being, he's he's playing better at running back than uh Saquon Barkley did last year. I, I just blasphemy,
1: think know, blasphemy.
0: Yeah, I know I know people hate to hear hear that. <laughs> he's playing way better. Way better than Saquon Barkley did last year. Not so even yeah, so
1: close. I won't give you too uh, much grief about that. The uh, the guy uh, uh, on the other side of my fantasy matchup this year in my one fantasy league is uh, <laughs> is running Saquon Barkley, and he had a day. So I
0: love Saquon Barkley, but he <laughs> was trash running the ball last year. I'm sorry. And again, he has all the talent in the world. I think he's going to have a great NFL career. But whatever reason, he was just he he was not a threat running the ball, period. The story was written
1: before the season last year.
0: Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, man, Miles Sanders is going to be much more of a threat. And that's something that Ohio State definitely has to look out for. Uh, Before we get out of here, last thing, first of all, go ahead and please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, wherever you get that. Uh, But before we get out of here, Andy, what is your score prediction? What do you got?
1: I haven't sat down and figured it out yet, but I uh, what I think Ohio State's going to score, but I think they're going to cover. Um, I've, I've got the Buckeyes with the win, and I think the stats support them winning by uh, by a touchdown. It's not going to be a blowout, but but I think they'll definitely cover and, and come out with a win. Yeah, I think there's going to be a back-and-forth
0: game all the way until maybe the fourth quarter, and then Ohio State, at that point, will probably maybe clamp down a little bit, and they'll score the final touchdown. I am looking at something... Personally, I would guess something around like 42 to maybe 36. That would be about what I would expect from this game. Uh, but who knows? I mean, this could go either way. You've got a lot of great players in both teams, and I'm I'm excited about it. This is, this is the game that I have been circled on my calendar for a really long time. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, so hopefully you guys enjoy it. We'll talk about it next week. And thank you again, Andy, for for filling in. It's always a great time when you're on.
1: I I am the, uh, uh, what do I say? The much larger version of the, the co-host <laughs> of this program. You know, Bo's much, much better, larger. But, m- well, I always say it this way, but Bo's much better looking, but, but I come in a much larger package. So, you know, it's a trade-off. <laughs> so uh, Happy to be here and, and thanks for having me on, Johnny. All right. Well, we will see you guys next week.